Greetings to the Saving Podcast. I'm Raphael, the host for this episode. I'm chiming in to um, take over for, from David for this episode. He is out and about doing Kickstarter stuff. And that's the reason why I'm joined today by Daniel, our CTO. Hello there. <laughs> he will be... Um, subject to some of my questions and my um, ideas of what the podcast should actually be about <laughs> for this episode. <laughs> but we will see how this is going. Rafa doesn't like to have an agenda, so I have no idea what's coming. But see, David will be back for the next time. We will see how often he lets me take over the podcast and, and do these things. But um, the topic in general today will be um, some of the not so well communicated potential roadmap ahead for the SPN and how I hope to at least land there in some, in some way. Because where I'd actually like to start is by how we compare to VPNs and what we actually want to do different uh, or are doing different. Um, right now and how we want to advance on that so that the, some of the capabilities that the VPN doesn't have right now we could provide and are going to provide uh, from day one. So um, Daniel, just the basic question right ahead. What is the difference between uh, an SPN and a VPN? The most basic difference is that the SPN is purpose-built for privacy and VPNs. VPNs use the VPN technology, which was never meant to protect privacy. But doesn't the P in VPN stand for private? Well, yes, but the, the context important is just um, in the sense of confidentiality. So what they were built for is that employees can connect to the company network from home. And so the company is expected to have full visibility of all the traffic that's in there. And the only thing that, the only protection that they want to provide in that sense is from everyone outside of the company. So this is not about personal privacy, it's just about corporate privacy, like protecting a company secrets. So it's privacy in the sense of security actually. Okay, and so what, what then, what problems come with this? Like you already said, the purpose is to protect only this connection from one point to the other, as far as I understand. Mm -hmm. So it's just the, the remote worker connecting into the company um, and this connection being like basically open on the other side to the company. So the company actually sees all the traffic that's coming from that user into the company. I guess this is also for the company security important as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so what is, where do like, why did they even start it then maybe using it for like privacy as we now understand it, uh, how people try to use it, like their mm -hmm. insert brand name VPN here. Because um, they, they basically are private VPNs. So I use them and I don't connect to 
a company. I mean, yes, to this company, but not like my company mm -hmm. and not like in a work sense. Yeah, yeah. but not as an employee. Yes, exactly. As a customer. Yeah, so the VPN creates a tunnel between two points and everything is just tunneled through there without any modification. And all the metadata, all the information is still there. And also, these tunnels are by nature two-way. So if should a VPN really... Um, be bad at the job, there could be traffic coming back at you and malicious actors coming back to you. And this is also something that is just the most normal and expected thing in VPN technology. The, this tunneling technology is the most most well-known and, and best working technology in the field of tunneling networks. So that was just what was available when the first VPN companies opened shop that they, they just took off the shelf what was here and, and didn't go for developing a new solution from the ground up that is actually built for privacy, as we are doing with the SPN. So there are lots of pitfalls in the VPN core idea that just don't support what these VPN companies are selling to their users. So there are lots of workarounds. So, for example, like they have to then strip your IP address from the other side, they have to check that none, no connections come back to you through a tunnel. So they do this? Yeah. Okay, so this is actually something that they do? Yes, that, yeah, the, the good companies definitely know what they're doing and do this. But if just when some random good dude is like, I'm gonna make some cheap bucks, I'm just open a VPN company, rent three servers, just configure OpenVPN and all done, then you might be opening yourself to even more attacks. So you should really choose a VPN provider if that is a thing you want to do that really knows their stuff. Mm -hmm. Because what they're doing is kind of using a protocol for something different than it was designed for. I understand. Like some traffic, of course, they need to allow back to me because, of course, I'm using VPN to not just send out stuff, but to get stuff as well. well. Well, yes, what I'm talking about in that context is more like in which directions can connections be initiated. Oh, I see. Okay. So, so that another like, VPN user can connect to me without me knowing it because VPN basically allows this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just, yeah, it, it's just it, a VPN connects to networks. So yes. you, like if it's configured incorrectly, you might end up on like a virtual local network with all the other VPN customers. And they can just, as in your real local network, just connect to your PC and open your shared folders and do whatever. Mm -hmm. And make an attack on you yeah. without you even realizing it. You feel more protected, but in reality, you might be even more vulnerable than before. Exactly. For for the record, I don't think that there actually is a reputable, reputable VPN company out there yes. that fails that badly. But I'm just trying to show you that the protocol itself really wasn't built for what they're using it for. I understand this on an intuitive level because I know how VPNs uh, use in a work context, but I had never thought about that this actually might, like that the same, that this is an issue if I'm using a, a VPN to protect my privacy, but you're completely right. Yeah, basically, um, if you configure it badly, you're creating a local network because it's local, that's what a VPN actually was built for, to increase the local network, the private network that you have. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, I see. There was even a VPN that they sold it as a solution to connecting remote PCs together. I think it was done by LogMeIn, and they called it Hamachi. And that VPN software yeah. that you didn't use for surfing the internet, but for connecting PCs remotely into virtual LAN. And I think people used it mostly for things like gaming and, and doing remote LAN games. That's what I used it for, at least, back in the day. <laughs> but you're right. It's still the same technology. Yes. It's just used, it's an also, again, adapted for a different context. Yeah. That's, I guess, more similar to the original use than, than a VPN for privacy. So when you, when you sit out, when you see this mess, I guess, repurposing of, of protocols, repurposing of software that was intended for a completely different use case, with a, with, which opens up so many privacy problems, um, what, how, how did you go about and then start creating um, like, I guess you have made a list of the things that needed to be like tackled when you think of creating a truly privacy first network. Well, when I started working on ESPN, Tor already existed for some time. So there was one prime example that did a lot of things right and did really well. So there was one project that succeeded in, in actually providing good network privacy um, to the world, but they had also some shortcomings. For the most part, what, what I didn't like about Tor is that they, the main use cases, what they do is they give you a browser, but all the other stuff that's on your machine is really hard to, like from a technical perspective, from a user perspective, really hard to to correctly um, set up and use. And so, yeah, browsing was covered, but all the other stuff was like, well, yeah, there's this really long guide you can follow and hope that it works out for you and hope you didn't make an error because there's nothing that will check if you've done it correctly. So Tor, uh, from what I understand is they're not easy to do. And VPNs, I guess, because it's, like mainly one-click setups yeah. and because it's such a fundamental thing it's easier to do but then what did they do right and what like because you already said like the this is a model you aim to or th that you looked at mm -hmm. uh privacy network solution mm -hmm. that did things right so what what did they do differently what approach did they change from those other VPN companies, I guess some of them came after Tor or became mainstream after Tor was already out. So why didn't they choose Tor to utilize them? And on the other hand, what did Tor do correctly that the VPNs maybe missed? Well, I think the reason why VPN companies were able to strive in a world where Tor existed is that they for one covered the whole system. Their main marketing is speed. So they're really fast. And the thing is that Tor is free, but um, for a very long time it has been really slow. It has become a lot better in, in recent years. But Tor still has this, this big mark on them, you're slow. And while this isn't fully true anymore, there are some caveats to, to using Tor in that regard. I think that's why VPN companies actually managed to get that far. And interesting, Tor actually started out before VPN companies came into existence. So Tor is actually the, the older technology, which is really interesting. 
basically there was a private uh, privacy option out there uh, then companies wanted a secure connection between the two of them so they created the VPN standard for connecting remote workers mm -hmm. and the privacy option wasn't an option for them because the setup wasn't built for them well, because and then the privacy market came and repurposed the speedy thing yeah, yeah, that was actually yeah. built for a different case even though there was already like something around that actually would have been a more secure uh, or a more privacy focused protocol but they, they couldn't make many money out of like hosting tor because it was free anyway i see yeah okay so there's a money point as well i forgot that okay uh, I understand. So, but now you said, like, what did they, from a construction point of view, like from a protocol point of view, um, how the network is built, how is Tor now different? What they did do, do they different in a way that it doesn't create a local, local network? Because as far as I understand, there are so multiple yeah. hops. Why don't I have just three local network connections now and not just one? There are two main points here. Um, the first one, of course, is onion encryption which means you don't have one VPN or like privacy server that protects you. You actually have three in the case of Tor and you encrypt your data separately for each of them and kind of wrap them like an onion. And then every server um, unwraps one layer of this onion and then only the last server knows um, what your um, what you're actually wanting to do. And that's the same with what the SPN does. And the second thing is that Tor isn't actually a, a network layer tunnel, it is more of a proxy. So it doesn't take all the network stuff with it. And so it doesn't even take IPs and stuff like that with it. It just transports the actual application data. So they get rid of a whole category of problems um, just by leaving out this information from the beginning. And that's also what the SPN does. So the, in these points, um, the SPN and, and Tor are really, really similar. Now I'm, I'm lost. What is, what is a VPN send? What am I sending? And is this still the case that I'm sending out this information to the VPN server that I'm not sending to the Tor nodes? Am yeah, I correct? So, so the... And couldn't they just have changed this on the user side? Well, no, because they're built for a different purpose. They're built to connect. VPNs are built for connecting to a company. And they want to connect to the company on the network layer 3, which is IP addresses. Because they want to use IP addresses and their own internal DNS servers to access all the internal resources they have. So they want to use their existing infrastructure. They don't want to like build whole, a whole new set of services, internal services, and maintain them just to have remote workers. They want to um, seamlessly integrate the remote workers into their um, already existing uh, network stack. So companies really want to do this on layer three with IP addresses, but Tor doesn't have any interest in that layer. So they just skip layer three and layer four and just go with the layer five and up, which is just application data. So which is the raw HTTPS request, for example. You're talking about the OC layers, yes. network yes. layers. Yes. Yeah. So just wanted to clarify for all of the guys out there who don't know and girls who don't know so what the network yeah. layers are. So it's a seven layer OC model 
which is partly implemented and not uh, well it's, it's a model it's not it's not an implementation yes. but to understand so all of you who want to go on DuckDuckGo and uh, search for or what layers is he talking about OZ uh, is the model um, you're describing so what you're saying one of the main differences is that we as well as Tor are connecting on a higher level so we aren't bothering around with like IP addresses um, when sending out data um, and what I don't know now is so that this is so fundamental in the VPN protocol that this had to be included even like you can say all of the VPN providers out there need to do it on level three with an IP address layer um, and they have to strip it on their server end. So there's no option. They always see your IP address. Well, yes and no, but the IP address that they will see won't be your public one, but will be an internal one that the server, their server has assigned to you. But of course, the initial connection of the VPN tunnel will of course use your public IP address. So there will be this connection? Yeah, yeah, it will be. So, but the network packets within the tunnel will only have an internal IP address that of course they internally can attribute to you. And they will, they're mostly um, use, or like hopefully mostly use only private uh, network ranges which wouldn't root over the internet. I see, so that could be a problem as well. But then, but this internal IP address, I guess, has to be unique for each um, user connecting to one VPN node. Yeah. Because otherwise there would be conflict because yeah. you're still operating on one server as one network, even yeah. though they hopefully have integrated barriers between uh, the the single users so that they can see each other and um, attack another user on the same server. Um, okay, but so they're opening up to, from what I understand, they're to whole different can of worms and problems that Tor just never had to begin with. Yeah, yeah. Because the one when you when I use a node and you use a node. Um, we don't even see each other. There's no way to connect these tunnels together. The functionality just doesn't exist. So there's no way that can happen. What um, needed to be fixed ret retroactively with um, repurposing VPNs was just never and is never an issue on Tor. And um, that's the reason why we opted to go with that route because we wanted to build it from a privacy perspective from the beginning and yeah. so yeah. I see. Okay, so how how are we doing it then? So how are we, we're also using an encryption already said, mm -hmm. um, but speed you also already mentioned isn't was an issue or is an issue sort of with Tor. How do we do it differently now so that we can actually gain speed without getting the same difficulties and problems? I mean, I sort of now see from a just a layer perspective, we are different, but um, so where are the differences there? One difference we have to Tor is that we are way more dynamic in how we handle nodes and connections, connections between nodes. So Tor uses three servers that are randomly picked. The client picks them and then the servers open connections between them. So what we do is 
we let the servers choose to which other servers they connect to and they create a dynamically changing, but in the perspective of the user, a fixed mesh. So the client cannot freely choose a couple of servers, but has to respect which connections a server offers to another server. And what happens here is that all the data that flows through the network is limited to a lot less connections, which improves privacy and which helps the effect of hiding among the masses. Because mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. multiple people are utilizing the same connection, yeah. the same between-server connection. Exactly. And the effect that this has is that because we know every possible route or every possible segment the route can have, we can send the client a lot of information about that route. We can send the client information about how many, what the latency is between these servers. So the client will have somewhat an idea how long the connection will take to destination. So the routes can be optimized to go with a certain speed. What we also plan to do is to have the servers with a certain degree, because there cannot be certainty with the current internet, but with a certain degree know which networks of the internet a certain segment goes through. So I can see, okay, this connection between this and the server goes through the level three um, ISP, it goes through the AT&T network or it uses that um, cable by um, through the ocean because it first connects to this and then to, to this network. And I can know through which countries my, my data, data flows. And this is something that um, users had never had a choice to decide because you just send out a packet with a destination and the internet decides where to read your packet. But now with the SPN, people have a lot of say in where did that data flows and how it flows. So there's way more power in having control in how data flows through your network. We can use, utilize this in, in many different scenarios. Of course, one is speed. We can optimize routes for better speeds. Or if you know that certain countries, as a journalist, for example, um, are interested in you especially, then you can set the network, set your client to avoid certain networks and, and not go through certain things. And that is information that, hasn't, that wasn't here before and, and now we have this ability that no one else has. But this is like already very detailed and... Um, I, I, I understand the, that's the, where the I most, The most interesting part though <laughs> with all of this is we know where the servers are and we know where the client knows where he wants to go. So the client can pick the server that is nearest to this destination and therefore reduce visibility of his connections to the open internet. This is especially still important with end-to-end encryption, uh, with uh, yeah, connection encryption, so HTTPS and stuff, because there's still a lot of metadata that will tell the network what you're doing online. And there are so many websites that it just doesn't matter what page you open on the website. Just visiting the websites, maybe even certain frequency 
um, at certain times of day will tell a lot about you. Concealing that information as long as possible will actually help to reduce being caught in a net of mass surveillance and of surveillance capitalism. So this is one of the, the main things as well when you look at a VPN and when you look at Tor, where the difference is you only have one exit node, so to mm -hmm. speak. Um, even w with a VPN, you only have one server. Uh, but in Tor, you only have one exit node as well. Uh, and this changes, as far as I know, every couple minutes, the exit node changes. But then, so what you say is, you were talking about going through countries before and that the connection there is protected. I mean, it is protected, it is encrypted anyway, so you can of course shape it and say, I don't want my even unencrypted traffic to not go through certain countries or certain networks. Mm -hmm. I think this is, this is even a higher level of protection yeah. HTTPS yeah. gives anyway, yeah. but then the, the weaker connection that we can't do anything about yet uh, the HTTPS connection afterwards, where, as you said, metadata is included, um, we even shorten this distance. So when a Tor network node, like the exit node, um, leaves you out into the open in South Africa for some reason, and you want to connect to a server in the US, you will have to go through an ocean cable over to the other continent and then go up to um, North America to connect to, I don't know, Netflix for instance <laughs> or whatever. And so this, all this connection, you will go through multiple ISPs. You all can look at what you're doing, even though they see the Tor exit, uh, nodes IP as the origin, but still, as you said, there's a couple of metadata that already can hint at who you are and whatever, like identifiers. And especially if you authenticate at the end, yeah. this especially might be then, bad. Yeah backtracked and people uh, um, can then see where who you are and what you're doing and stuff. The connections you initiate on the internet can be correlated and attributed to you. So if you like um, log into any account or if there's some tracking cookie somewhere and then there's a new connection and these are connected because again, your connection traveled through multiple ISPs and the first one will probably, the ISP where the, the exit server is, will see all the traffic and they can start correlating stuff. And then they, there's still surveillance going on. What we're doing differently now is we have a multiple exit nodes, we have multiple things. So multiple, this, this information is spread around the network and there's no, not one single point where all our connections are. Yeah, so every connection is rooted individually through the network. There will be cases where multiple connections may share one exit node, but in general, every connection will have their own tunnel. When did you come, come up with that idea? Well, it, it was all thinking about all this uh, surveillance capitalism thing and, and where um, everything you send through the internet is kind of up for grabs for everyone. And it isn't just didn't see any solution that goes the full length as, as far as we can. And um, that was when I, when I decided to, to do something about that. And it's, it's not only that, it's also um, one thing I dislike about Tor is, is how um, they, anyone can just go and, and host a node and we're still not 
um, at a point where the internet is fully encrypted and your device will still do make unencrypted connections. And what we can do with our software is we can um, detect if an encryption is connected or not. And if we don't detect any encryption on a, on a connection like um, TLS with HTTPS, then we can um, strengthen the security or the requirements for that connection and say, okay, this connection is only allowed to um, exit at um, more trusted, verified uh, nodes where we know no one is um, listening to, to that data. It still enables us to invite the community to join the network and, and strengthen the network because community nodes are important to fully make the connection unlinkable, the link the destination and, and the source fully and, and verifiably. So there is, it is important to have the community on board, but this will allow us to both have the community and keep the security really high. You said that you made this decision based on that, that those two things to, to um, create a network that is in that regard different. Um, but can you maybe give a hint why nobody else has done it before? So your reasoning is, I guess, like they convinced me and I guess this is how it should be. But why has, why are you the first one to come up with this and say, well, this is how we need to do this, or this is, this is, I mean, we're open sourcing it. Yes. And we're giving it out so that people can um, look at it and improve upon it. But our, like, this is as far as I understand the first shot that actually has, um, has a chance to, to fully like work and um, properly execute this idea. What I think for a long term, there just wasn't a need. Torv is viewed upon like this thing all these nerds use that are with their tinfoil hats that are afraid of all sorts of governments and normal people just didn't care. Um, but with the entering into the age of, of internet surveillance and surveillance capitalism, where suddenly um, every the data of everyone is is seen as valuable and is tried to be scooped up and sold, um, suddenly everyone is in need of of that um, protection, and VPNs, of course, saw that gap and were there to fill it, but their, their technology just doesn't cut it. And I think um, nobody has maybe had the balls yet to go into this, but we're still early in the, thing, in the, in the process and there hasn't been much time to react to this situation. And so there are like half a dozen other projects that to some degree have are similar to to our to what we do, um, and so there the need is really seen, and there's a lot of stuff in the making. But the need is so you say the need is is recent. Exactly, the need in this special context isn't that old. Not as old as Tor is, or like the VPN market. 
Yeah, because both Tor and VPM market weren't created to face surveillance capitalism. They were created for other very specific problems. And now I think we need a solution that is specifically tailored to um, stand up to surveillance capitalism and to the internet surveillance that um, is done on a corporate level. So the one is, and I can tell from personal, I, I use a VPN when I'm especially in a, a public space where I don't trust the uh, Wi-Fi that I'm in, that I'm not spied upon. So I want to get out of a sticky situation or if mm -hmm. I'm traveling and I'm in a country where I think, well, maybe some of the things that I want to do aren't, um, I don't want this country to know in particular stuff. Um, so this is just getting out of a sticky situation and introducing maybe some new problems in the case of a VPN, because now I just introduced another person I need to trust. Mm -hmm. But, um, and so just replacing the Wi-Fi person I needed to trust with another person mm -hmm. that I hopefully trust more. And um, this was enough for the longest time. And now you say the situation is, as far as I understand more, that the internet as a total is less trustworthy at this point um, because there are actors um, um, hoarding data, uh, collecting, more actively collecting data, and stuff and so you need to protect yourself or be I and mean, protect yourself i mean be more aware of that you're not uh, anonymous uh, in that regard or not like that your privacy isn't respected anymore when you're on the internet you're actively being followed yeah. basically and, and we're addressing that situation more that the, the the basic i go out of my door and I just want to get to the library, like Wikipedia. <laughs> and this way, there are multiple people looking out of their windows and, and recording that I went this way. Yeah, it's, it isn't just your ISP that yes. is interested in your data. It's like everyone along the way. And I think something that we haven't yet realized as like netizens is that with the fall of net neutrality in the U.S., of course, this affected the U.S. big time, and there was big, big um, uproar um, in the U.S., but if you look at the internet backbone, if you look at who owns all these networks, like, almost all of them are U.S.-based. So this affects the whole internet. And, and everyone around the globe. This is something that um, also has an impact everywhere else. If you open Wikipedia in your browser, your connection doesn't travel only through your ISP and the ISP of Wikipedia, but there are other ISPs in between. And every of these ISPs is a private company. Um, you go through their property, they all have their own business model, their own agenda. And if part of their business model is selling your data, well, they will um, save a record for data and um, try to exploit it however they can. This is just normal business stuff. There's nothing really unexpected happening. <laughs> it just evolved now to a point where we can actually see um, how this starts uh, affecting more and more areas of our life. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. yeah. So, so now with surveillance capitalism, all this data suddenly becomes valuable because 
the technology is here to exploit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why we need to change our behavior in that regard. Yeah, and, and we have to create protections that are actually suitable mm -hmm. for the data. Mm -hmm. I see. I guess yeah. I, so, I learned so a couple of things. With and I capitalism, all this data suddenly becomes valuable uh, because be our way. the technology is um, here to explain. You're looking at me in a way that I that you think I need to explain. Um, yeah, it's and, one with and the, we with have to create so protections that, that are actually suitable. Go through. I guess you can age. already choose uh, pretty early on which countries the nodes are where you're actually losing uh, one of your unencryption layers. Um, or at least see that. I don't know when this will become available. But um, so, but this is all stuff that is down the pipeline where you can actually shape the traffic. And this is partly what SPN will provide in the future. Just wanted to make sure that this is repeated at the end. I like those features and I often get told that I'm not allowed to, to share them that openly <laughs> but um i i took this opportunity being here just with with danielle the two of us and to to tell you guys out there um some of the the features that are planned i want to point you into our subreddit if you have any questions regarding this or any like things you want to know more about um just uh, comment on the subreddit our safing uh, with this podcast, it will there, the link will be there, and um, ask your questions. I guess it will be me, maybe David and um, Danielle, um, when you have technical questions on there as well. So um, that's one of the things. And the other thing is, uh, yeah, very soon or our Kickstarter will be live. So when you listen to this, the preview will be already up. And if you go into the Reddit, you might find some interesting links and tidbits there. Um, but uh, at the beginning of February, the, the actual backing will be live as well. And so you can chime in and get a front, re front, front seat access <laughs> to our SPN and um, join in and see what it's all about and start protecting your data and taking back control. Okay, then <laughs> happy hunting to all of you and till the next time. Till next time. See ya.